the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. On AM 1420, The Answer. Ten minutes after 10 o'clock as we continue into hour number two. Thank you so much for joining us on this Wednesday, the 18th morning of the third month of the year of our Lord, 2020. Thanks again to Michael Fimento. And I I just uh, Facebooked this uh, article. It's a must-read. And I think it's important. Michael Fimento is not claiming that the coronavirus isn't real. He's not claiming that the Chinese virus isn't deadly because people are dying from it. He's not saying that at all. But the hysteria over it, the wild predictions of of plague-like numbers of deaths is not warranted by what we know right now. Do we know everything? No. Do we have all the reliable data? No, we do not. And that is exactly what those who are trying to push the hysteria is counting upon, that we don't have that reliable data so they can say anything. The fact that the director of the Ohio Department of Health has said a state that has a handful of uh, of cases that have been confirmed, what, about 55 or 56 or something of that name, uh, nature, uh, is is just the uh, tiny drop in, a, in, a, in, a, uh, in an ocean of over 100,000 cases that she says exist. In the, in the state of Ohio alone, that hysteria is not warranted. It's just not. And that's what Michael Fomento wrote about in Issues and Insights. Check it out. It's on my Facebook page right now, France Radio, F-R-A-N-T-Z Radio, all one, space, or all one word, rather, no spaces and no underscores. I want to pivot now as we continue coverage of the Wuhan China, China coronavirus. Um, let's talk about it from a political point of view now. Because politics still goes on, believe it or not. Uh, there was a debate on Sunday night with Bernie and Biden. Nobody was there to watch. I don't know how many people saw it on TV. Yesterday, three states voted. Ours was not one of them. Joe Biden is going to be the nominee. And now the question is, is what role will the Chinese virus play in the campaigns this summer as we head toward the actual vote, if we have one in November? And joining us to analyze now is the policy director for America First Policies. He's a former Trump administration official in the Labor Department. 
Department and a senior policy advisor on the tra- uh, presidential transition team, Curtis Ellis. He uh, joins us now on AM 1420, The Answer. Curtis, thank you for the time. How are you this morning? Uh, just great. Nice to be here with you. You're I've always healthy? wanted to go to France. <laughs> what was that again? I've always wanted to go to France. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, you know what? Maybe I don't. I don't know if this is the right time. <laughs> this might not. This be is as time, close but... as I'm going to get. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, so, Michael, let's um, let's talk about uh, the uh, the virus itself. First of all, the president is taking some hits for originally downplaying things, and I think he kind of did. He said when when it was spreading through places in Europe, he said, well, not here. We closed the borders, if you will, to flights coming from China, and we have, like, I think at the time there were 15 cases. He said 11 of them are doing well, five of them are home, and a couple of them are going to be there soon. He, he did kind of downplay it, uh, but then, of course, it started to grow a lot bigger than anybody realized, and now uh, he's even being praised by reporters on CNN and, and uh, MSNBC for his steady leadership in this regard how do you feel the president has handled this thus far and what do you think um he is going to do now that he is playing both the role of commander-in-chief and uh, the ceo trying to manage this thing for the country but also trying to get reelected? yeah i think the president's done an incredible job Look, right from the beginning, and I mean the beginning of the 2016 campaign, he was warning our country about the dangers of China, about the dangers of being dependent on China for our manufactured goods, and the need to have border controls. He was, he was roundly brutalized, castigated, vilified for those three things. The, the other side was saying, It's racist to have a border. We don't need manufacturing anymore. It's more efficient to let the Chinese make it. And China is our friend because we all live in this beautiful globalized world. Well, now we see that thanks to the virus, he was right. The virus proves uh, people now see, like they never admitted before, that it's dangerous to have 97% of our medicines made in China. So, uh, and to have an open border, the president's done a great job. He, when he closed the flights from China, he bought us time, gave us breathing room to develop a response. And he, again, he was criticized for being racist. And to this day, uh, you say Wuhan virus. I say Wuhan virus. They say you're a racist. I wrote an article. The headline included the words Wuhan virus. Someone, uh, a radio host uh, tweeted the, my article, and Twitter canceled their account. Uh, apparently, the Chinese communist trolls complained to Twitter about racism and community standards, and Twitter uh, went along with the censors in Beijing and shut down this Twitter account. So we see uh, that uh, the president has been right all along. He's doing a very good job on taking unconventional action, unprecedented action, to uh, protect the American people. Whereas the other side, Joe Biden, has been saying, walls won't stop the virus, and now is not the time to put in travel restrictions. And the, the globalist mindset that he is a representative of, saying, we're all in this together, and we should be approaching this on a, on a world global level, which is absolutely ridiculous. Apparently, it's okay to restrict travel on a school bus for your children from home to school, but it's wrong to restrict travel from the epicenter of this 
pandemic China to the United States. It's okay to lock down your your neighborhood bar and restaurant, but it's not okay to lock down the country that spread this disease in the first place. I mean, it's, it makes absolutely no sense. These people are lost in la-la land. The president is clear-eyed and has a grip on reality rather than uh, uh, some globalist ideology having a grip on his brain. So, uh, look, it's going to get worse before it gets better. And as for the political aspects of this, China and this virus... Before you answer that, before you answer that, let me jump in for a second. Issue in the campaign. Yeah, I'm let me sorry, jump in ahead. for a second, and then we'll talk about the politics of this. Curtis Ellis yeah. is my guest. He's the uh, policy director for America First Policies. This is the kind of thing that has to terrify Joe Biden and the Democrats when even CNN is willing to say something like this. This is Dana, uh, Dana Bash or Dana Bash on uh, CNN. I mean, look, this is just coming back to where this conversation started after the press conference. I hear what Sanjay is saying about uh, Tony Fauci giving you know a little bit more wiggle room than than others but if you look at the big picture this was remarkable from the president of the united states this is a nonpartisan. this is um an important thing to note uh, and to applaud from an american standpoint from an from a human standpoint he is um being the kind of leader that people need, at least in tone, today and yesterday, right. in tone that people need and want and yearn for in times of crisis and uncertainty. So, Curtis, uh, when you get CNN allowing that to go out <laughs> over their anti-Trump airwaves, um, this this has to be just a, a complete, uh, 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 you know, a, a frightening uh, turn of events here for the Biden campaign and for the Democrats. And that's why they're ramping up the cries of racism and dog whistling every time Trump tweets or says Chinese virus. They know he's getting this right. And the American people are going to see that this summer. Yeah, absolutely. By the way, I heard that Dana Bash was fired. She's disappeared. No, just kidding. <laughs> uh, so, uh, you know, you're exactly right. Uh, this is a war. This is wartime. President Trump has become a wartime president. How he deals with this will determine the outcome of the election. This could be the finest hour, Winston Churchill in the 1930s. And, and in a way, Joe Biden is Neville Chamberlain. They're saying the way Neville Chamberlain went to Munich, Meant, uh, met, met Adolf Hitler and said, peace in our time, we're all going to get along, everything's going to be great. Joe Biden and the globalists are saying, you know, we're all in this together, we don't need borders, everything's great, we can trust the Chinese. The reason we are in this problem is because the Chinese never shared information, they covered this up, they still to this day have not provided accurate information on uh, critical aspects of this virus, so we don't know. We still don't know, actually, the rate of infection. As you were saying before, the, the health authorities in, in Ohio say, we have 55 cases, we could have 100,000 infections. Uh, that's because we don't know the rate of contagion. We don't know the rate of trans, uh, transmission, uh, how infectious it is, how many people get infected from one carrier. We don't know the fatality rate then. It could be anywhere from 0.05% to 1.5% or more. We don't know because the Chinese haven't told us, right? So in this vast sea of uncertainty, you can have panic take off, and the Democrat media and the Democratic Party is feeding that. We've heard the super PACs, American Bridge, the big Democratic-funded super PAC, is spreading hysteria. They're attacking the president's 
uh, approach to this virus. They are trying to make they're they're politicizing this, and it couldn't and it can backfire because in time of war, people don't want to change horses in midstream. If you're in a war, you rally around the leader and you pull together, and that's what the Democrats should be doing now. They should say, let's put. They say politics, they used to say politics ends at the water's edge. Politics ends at the virus's edge. You know, we're in a public health situation here. Let's get this right, get it done, get our schools, at least get our businesses reopened here so we don't have an economic meltdown, which can end up killing more people than the virus, right? Uh, We all know know, in recessions, uh, rates of alcoholism and... I'm if sorry. the cure for this virus, uh, that's all right, Curtis Ellis is our guest. If the cure for this virus is to lock all businesses down and, and put people out of work, which, of course, uh, they go on unemployment, which is far less than what many of their salaries are. They lose their health care after a month. The cure could be far more deadly than the actual virus if we go over the top. Now, I'm not saying there aren't prudent steps that can be taken by leadership to try to encourage distancing and all of the other things they're talking about and making sure that we are practicing hygiene, proper hygiene that we should be doing in any flu season anyway there are steps that the government can take there are regulatory steps that are okay but they cannot regulatory gouge the american people and rob them of their civil rights and their constitutional rights and that's what i fear Uh, and i'm with you i i absolutely agree look this country was built america was built by people who were ready to take take risks willing to take risks understood that life entails risks you know we were as Bill Murray said in Caddyshack, this country was built by people who were thrown out of the best countries on earth. Right? <laughs> I mean, they were—they left everything they knew. They left their families. They left uh, life as they knew it to cross a dangerous sea to go to a wilderness that they knew nothing about because there wasn't even photography in those days, and uh, people were smart enough to know they couldn't believe what they read. So somebody gave them a flyer and said, get on this uh, steamship and go to the new world. They didn't know what waited for them, but they were willing to do it. And then even, you know, yet again, people left the cities in the east. They left New York. They crossed the prairies. They crossed the mountains and the deserts to go to California. They knew. They knew there were right. there were there were Indians, hostile Indians that would kill them, skin them alive. But they figured the risk was worth it. We'll take the risk. So let's let's man up here or woman up or whatever, buck it up, stay calm, carry on, and 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 we'll get through this. But let's Curtis, Curtis, I need to end it there. I, I need free. to end it there because we're past our time. But but I'm going to give you thirty extra seconds. I need to be I need to hold you to thirty here to answer sure. this one question. The president, yes. the president's um, campaign relies so much on his rallies. He generates so much enthusiasm and excitement among his base and others when he holds his rallies. They're integral to his reelection campaign, but they can't be held during this crisis and this 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 pandemonium that's going on. So in thirty seconds, how does the president energizes base without those rallies well we may see the rallies again come september that's when this campaign really starts uh, traditionally and uh, the president always has a few tricks up his sleeve donald j trump do not underestimate the man uh, you may have a, a free pay-per-view view on demand and there will be no cost for the entry, and maybe we'll see something like that. It could be, uh, as I say, this guy always has a few surprises, and he's got the best minds in the business working with him. I like it. Curtis Ellis, thank you so very much. I appreciate your time. 
Thank you. All right, we're late getting out, but I wanted to get a little bit more in there from Curtis Ellis with the uh, policy. He's the policy director for America First Policies, and we're back after this. Ten thirty-four. Oh, I lied. It's ten thirty-five now. It literally just flipped over on me. Doggone clock. Can't trust it for anything. Thanks again for being with us on this Wednesday edition of The Authority. We're trying to provide as much information and education uh, about the... And, and doing so in a level-headed manner. We're not freaking out over governmental overreach, which there is a lot of. Not freaking out over the pandemic, which is being overstated which it is in many ways, trying to walk that fine line between responsibility, both in what we say and what we do about it, and, uh, and uh, the trampling of civil rights, the trampling of constitutional rights. And I think that is exactly what's going on here. There are extremists on both sides that we cannot allow to do this. I like what Dennis Prager had to say. In that promo, and on his show, but in that promo you probably heard about two breaks ago, said, uh, you know, I prefer to live my life rather than live in fear. Uh, and I'm paraphrasing him, of course, because, yeah, I mean, there is risk that is associated with everything we do. Curtis Ellis just pointed out how this nation was founded by people who wandered into a wilderness that they did not know what you know they were in store for to try to build a better nation. It was filled with risk, absolutely. But, of course, what we are talking about now is not founding a new nation, but it is about defending a nation and about being responsible making sure that the risk-taking we do is not irresponsible, but making sure that we are still willing to live our lives, especially when the data that is that is evident right now does not warrant the shutting down of American life. It just doesn't. I've got a couple of things to point to before I go to your calls. Number one, the, la- the guest I had on prior to Curtis Ellis, his name, name is Michael Fomento. I've tweeted... And I Facebooked his article for everybody to read. It's very important to read. It does not claim that the coronavirus is a hoax. It does not claim that the Chinese Wuhan coronavirus, I want to make sure to identify it by its point of origin for good reason, is not killing people because it is. It also, however, does not uh, suggest that we should be panicking or hysterics over this because the data as we have it thus far, including from Europe and including from China, does not warrant the uh, suspension of constitutional rights or the shutting down of American commerce. And that's exactly what is happening. America, uh, American commerce is being shut down. Quite frankly, global commerce is being shut down because they're doing this in other countries as well. And it's not warranted by what we know thus far. So that's important. The other article that I wanted to point to, and I started sharing with you in the first hour, came from uh, National Review and Jim Gary. It points the finger of blame for all of this hysteria, everything that we are in crisis mode over right now. Not at Mike DeWine, nor Jay Inslee, the governor in Washington, or Gavin Newsom, the governor in California, or Andrew Cuomo in New York, or anywhere else. It doesn't blame Donald Trump. Or the CDC for slow reactions, which some have, have alleged and accused. Jim Garrity correctly, rightly, justifiably points the finger of blame where it belongs, at Beijing. The Chinese government made decisions that put us in the crisis we're in today. 
And while we deal with the crisis, the same Chinese communist government is going to the world with a disinformation campaign saying America did it. The American military brought this virus to China in order to blame it on us. It's their fault. And you know who's helping them spread their disinformation campaign? The American media. The American media is siding with the Chinese over the American government. They're helping them, claiming that anybody in America who blames China for this is racist, is dog-whistling, is trying to harm non-white people or non-American people, making it xenophobia instead of racism. Jim Garrity covers all of that in an article that is also a must-read. And the Chinese government's attempt to silence doctors who warned about the disease is extraordinary. As word of the mysterious virus mounted, Garrity writes, Lee Wing Lang shared suspicions in a private chat with his fellow medical school grads. The doctor said that seven people seem to have contacted SARS, the respiratory disease that spread from China to more than two dozen countries and left hundreds dead in the early 2000s. One patient was quarantined in his hospital in Wuhan. He urged people to be careful. Lee and seven other doctors were quickly summoned by Chinese authorities for propagating rumors about SARS-like cases in the area. But their warnings were prescient. Soon, health officials worldwide would be scrambling to combat a novel virus with striking genetic resemblance to SARS. And the Chinese authorities, spending the month of January denying it, could, uh, that, denying that it could be spread between humans, something doctors had known was happening since late December in China, and went ahead with a Chinese Lunar New Year banquet involving tens of thousands of families in Wuhan. Doctors say that in Wuhan, People who had no connection to that Hunan market were uh, among the first showing the symptoms, suggesting that from the very beginning, Chinese authorities should have understood that human-to-human transmission was already happening. Even by the Chinese government's own account of events, President Xi Jinping uh, knew about the, Chinese, uh, the disease for two weeks before making public comments about it. Under fire for its response to the coronavirus epidemic, China's authoritarian government appears to be pushing a new account of events that presents President Xi Jinping uh, as taking early action to fight the outbreak that has convulsed the country. But in doing so, authorities have acknowledged for the first time that Xi was aware of the epidemic and involved in the response nearly two weeks before he first publicly spoke about it, and while officials at its epicenter in the city of Wuhan were still downplaying its dangers. The Wall Street Journal calculates that the Chinese government let some 5 million people leave Wuhan without screening. Chinese medical authorities were much more concerned about preserving Wuhan's reputation than the contagious deadly disease. The journal wrote, quote, The hospital's leadership also banned staff from discussing the disease in public for, uh, or via te- texts or images. Eight days later, a nurse in her department started to feel sick. Dr. Alphine said, And it was later confirmed she was infected by the coronavirus. By early March, three doctors at the hospital had died from the infection. Even today, prominent Chinese citizens who criticize the government's response suddenly disappear. The Chinese government is much more effective at stopping the spread of information about the coronavirus than stopping the spread of the coronavirus. Pardon me, the Wuhan virus. 
We are in this mess, Garrity writes, in large part because of the decisions of the Chinese government. And once it's safe to come out, we're going to face early, or excuse me, we're going to face some extremely consequential decisions about how we choose to treat the Chinese government after their catastrophic secrecy cover-ups, blundering, and disregard for human life around the globe. So yes, we must call this what it is, the Chinese virus or the Wuhan virus, not just because of its location of origin, but because of the fact that the Chinese communist government did nothing to stop its spread. All they tried to stop was the spread of the blame that would be coming their way. Okay, to the phones as promised. Ken is in Parma on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, Ken. Thanks for joining us. Go ahead. Hi, Bob. Enjoy your show. I agree with everything you're saying. You know, this thing was from Wuhan, and we should be calling the Wuhan virus instead of the coronavirus. And what I called about was, you know, we, we hear these cases that, you know, they were tested and they showed up positive, but are we asking these people where they've been for the last two or three months? You know, where they've been, you know, were they in China? Because yes, they are for the most part doing exactly that. Um, even in the early stages, when they uh, the first one was uh, noticed in Washington, confirmed in Washington State, uh, that's one of the things that they did is they they checked their travel history, they checked their um, uh, their uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for their their connections history. In other words, who have you been around? Not only did you travel recently, but did anybody that you work with, live with, or anything else did they travel recently? to any of these potentially infected areas. So, yes, they were asking those questions from the beginning. Okay, even the ones in Ohio? Because we heard, like, 55 people were tested positive in Ohio. Is that yes. right? Yes, that's that's part of that's part of the procedure, um, and it's kind of what takes so long too, because they need to know: did this person get it overseas, or did this person get it from somebody here? And if so, where were they? So, yeah, it's part of the, you know, that's how you find out whether or not it's uh, tra- if it's um, uh, human to human transmission or if it's direct uh, contact in a foreign country. So, so yeah, there are a lot of people here in the state of Ohio and everywhere else where who are getting it from human to human transmission. Right. Um... Well, right, because that's that's the only way they can get it. And why did they start calling it the coronavirus? Why? Well, that was yeah. Well, because coronavirus has long been known as an actual virus. Um, You know, a lot of people have pointed this out. If you look on uh, Lysol cans and other disinfecting cans, it talks about all of the different types of bacteria that it kills, you know, that that particular product kills. And on the back of most of these, they've been there forever, is coronavirus. So it is a thing. It, it, it existed, and this is a variant of that. It's actually what they call a novel coronavirus in that it's a little bit different because of its uh, obviously easily transmissible pr- properties. But, yes, they have been calling it the coronavirus because coronavirus is the origin of this particular strain of this virus. And and uh, so that's why it has that name, which is fine. You know, H1N1 was named specifically for the scientific names uh, that, uh, that were associated with it, even though we gave it the generic name of swine flu. Uh, there is a scientific name for the virus that is being spread here. But generally speaking, that is replaced by, okay, where did this come from? Which is why we have Ebola, which is why we had Zika virus, which is why we had Spanish flu, Asian flu, Hong Kong flu, all of these things were okay to say prior to Donald Trump becoming president. You could identify these things by their place rather than their scientific name. But now that Donald Trump is president, you can't do that anymore because it's racist. That's right, because orange man bad, right? Exact bingo. You hit <laughs> you, you right on the head, my friend. That is exactly right. what it is. All right, Ken. Thank you, my right. friend. God bless. Appreciate right. your phone call. Dan in Middleburg Heights, next. AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, Dan. You're on the air. 
Hi, good morning. Um, I agree with the, uh, the gentleman you had from the Philippines. That guy is right on of what's going on here. Michael he Fermento. Fermento. He yes. said everything except the word political because I compared figures from a Cleveland Plain dealer. Isn't this hard to do? U.S. figures for our seasonal flu and, uh, and Ohio's figures, okay? It's right out of today's paper. And the percentages are on a national level, hospitalizations for the flu is 0.1% on hospitalizations and on deaths, 0.01%. That's a hundredth out of 320 million people. If you go to Ohio, uh, there's 10 million people in round numbers in Ohio, correct? 10 to 12? I don't have the exact number, that's, but that's, no, that's ballpark. That's what it is. Yeah, that's, that's what ballpark. It is. Okay. So basically in Ohio, you have 10,000 10, hospitalizations and 100 dead. In, in Cuyahoga County and the Summit County of Medina, there's like 3,000 hospitalizations and 25 people deaths right out of the plane dealer. You're talking about from the regular flu. Just regular. So right. now you have DeWine come around, and out of today's paper, I'm looking at it, they tested 67 out of 10 million in Ohio that just tested for the flu, and they hospitalized 17 of them. None of them are dead. How are you shutting down the whole state of Ohio for 67 people? Okay, no, let's let's clarify that. They didn't test only 67 people. 67 people tested positive for it. Right. There are others who have tested right. negative. So just to, just to make sure we're clarifying right. that. Right, but the point is, is who tested positive. That's what, right. who has the flu. But they don't necessarily have it. They, they're contagious with it. They may not even have any symptoms. But even if they do, the bottom line is, hospitalized is 17. That means you really do have the flu. It's really bad, but... We're talking 10 million people in Ohio. You've got to be crazy to shut down this whole economy. Well, two, 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 two things, Fred, and thank you for the phone call. I appreciate it. Um, two things that I would say. Uh, I'm sorry, that was Dan, not Fred. Beg your pardon. Fred's coming up. Uh, two things. Number one, the concern you just said it yourself that, that they are, they are uh, expressing here is the number of people who are carrying it who are not testing for it at all and the number of people who are not testing positive for it at all and who are not symptomatic but are still carrying it and then transmitting it to other people, potentially people who are in the high-risk category, the you know 80s and 90-year-olds, right? So that's number one. Uh, they're concerned about that, and that's not going to show up in the stats. They're only going to show those who tested and tested positive and then the number of, of those who are um, hospitalized for it and anybody who dies from it. The ones who are carrying it, who don't know they're carrying it, who are not testing for it, that's what they're concerned about, and that's why they're studying what's going on in the other countries. So that's number one. Number two, in terms of the number of people who have been affected by this, you're right, and that's what my biggest complaint is. They're shutting down the economy, the full commerce in the state of Ohio with, without factual data that supports that. Um, it just, it, you, you, they don't know what they don't know, and I get that, because they don't know how many people are carrying it because they're not symptomatic and they're not taking the test, or the tests haven't been available at certain points in time, right? So they don't know what they don't know, and I understand that, and I can respect that. But because you don't know, you cannot justify the destruction of the state of Ohio's economy. And largely, the president is doing the same thing. The president and the White House are embracing this 15-day shutdown, and while it's not being ordered by the federal government to the point where we will arrest you if you leave your home, which is happening in other cities and states, by the way, in case you didn't know that, it is. 
But the president is suggesting and recommending stay home. We have 15 days to, to, to flatten this curve and to shut this thing down from its crazy spread and transmission. We're shutting down businesses. We're going to lose small businesses. People are going to lose their businesses. 69% of American adults have less than $1,000 in savings. Now, do you know what that means? Do you know how fast that $1,000 that they have saved up is going to go if they lose their jobs, if they work in a hotel and the hotel is shuttered because nobody's allowed to travel, if they work in a bar because nobody's allowed to go inside, if they work in a restaurant, if they're a server, and all they can do is serve to-go or take-out food or or drive-through food, etc.? Do you know how many people are going to lose their jobs? And once they lose their jobs, after a month, what else do they lose? Their health care. How fast is that thousand dollars going to carry them if they have to pay for high deductibles and and uh, and and uh, or not high deductibles after they lose their health care, but uh, uh, from uh, medical uh, treatment? In other words, as I've said before, the decision to shut down the state is very premature, in my opinion, and it robs people of their constitutional rights. I understand some regulatory steps need to be taken because this isn't a joke. The, the spread is real. We don't know how widespread because we don't have those available data. But what we do, what we do know is that the cure could potentially be more deadly than the virus itself. If the cure means locking everybody up. And oh, by the way, the people who are going to be locked up are going to be the people who walk out of their homes against these, these shelter-in-place uh, edicts by governors across the country or, or mayors across the country, not actual criminals, because that's another impact of this. Police departments are issuing public notices that they're not going to be arresting as many people as they normally do. In other words, they've given green lights to criminals to go commit crimes because cops don't want to overcrowd the prisons and jails during the coronavirus. So there are a lot of very poor decisions being made by heads of, of cities, counties, and states in response to this. And as I said, the disease is going to be less deadly, I think, perhaps, than the proposed cures being put forth by government. All right, I've got time for a couple of more phone calls after this on AM 1420, The Ends. Okay, let's get a couple more in before we uh, wrap this up today. Fred is in Cleveland on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, Fred, go ahead. Uh, good day, Bob. I, I think we need to call this for what it is. I think it is an act of war on China's part. I believe that China's goal was to have what's happening in Italy happen in America. They're trying to shut us down and cripple our president because he is doing so much to affect China's effect on the globe and it's killing Well them. more more specifically more specifically what President Trump said when he came into office is we're going to stop China thank you for the call we're going to stop China from continuing to take advantage of us in trade we're going to rework those trade deals 
And that is exactly uh, what he has done. So, yeah, I said this at the very beginning. I don't know, and I won't make the accusation, that China has specifically um, uh, done this intentionally, released this virus to harm the United States and our president. But I would be open to that possibility because of who they are and because of the impact Trump has had on them. So I do get that, and I'm with you, Fred. Uh We'll uh, we'll uh, you know follow that. Obviously, we still don't have any proof they did it on purpose, but that's that's a very plausible theory. TJ in Cleveland, go ahead, TJ. Yeah, hi, Bob. You know, Bob, I watched Sherrod Brown yesterday coming out with a total lie that Trump cut the CDC a couple years ago, which is a total untrue. Now, you know, I have one question for that disheveled-looking punk. I got a question for him and Joe Biden and Barack Obama. How were our pharmaceutical companies allowed? It's all moved to China. I mean, that's a national security risk. Was Sherrod Brown asleep at the switch? I mean, he's been in Washington forever. Or was he simply scratching the back of his fellow commie buds in China? I mean, people ought to look into this. How was this allowed to happen? They control all our pharmaceuticals now. You know, we're screwed. Well, that's what a lot of people, thanks uh, for the call, TJ, a lot of people in Congress right now are saying the exact same thing. This is a wake-up call. We cannot allow China to control, uh, and they're threatening us, by the way, to control uh, the manufacture and the sale of of our uh, uh, pharmaceuticals. And that is exactly, they're threatening to cut off the supply. Who thought this was a good idea? I don't know whoever greenlit that. Absolutely bears some responsibility for where we are right now. We cannot allow the Chinese to have that much of an impact over this country's success and its health and, of course, the health of its individual citizens. Unfortunately, I know I'm leaving people on hold, but the clock is what the clock is. I apologize for that. We're out of time. Stay where you are. Mike Gallagher is coming up next. Dennis Prager, keep listening. Uh, Dr. Gorka, keep listening all day, all evening for the best, insightful coverage, responsible coverage of this uh, ongoing issue, this health scare, this hysteria, and this governmental overreach that we all have to guard against. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye. This is AM 1420, The Answer, WHK, W273DG, Cleveland. A service of Salem Media Group with your... Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.